It's the Love In Our Wake podcast and we're glad that you've joined us today. Together with Ben Teefy and Jason Aitchison, we are diving into theology to talk real life and learn how we, like Jesus, can leave love in our wake. I'm Bethany Thompson. Let's go. Let's go. Circle the wagons, homies. <laughs> <laughs> so last week we talked about, oh, the music the again music, just keeps look, staying this week and last week. I know. Wow. It's just, um, it's only getting 30 the vibes. <laughs> getting the vibes. Well, last week we talked about how to unstuff ourselves and we talked about the process that we needed to go on um, landing in the space of discipleship um, and wanting to really go further into spiritual disciplines. But we kind of ran out of time last week mm. um, because we really maximized that out with the process, which was really good. So if you missed last week's episode, can I encourage you to go back, have a listen to that first, because this is definitely part two. Um, but we want to kind of launch into some practicals around spiritual disciplines. And so there's three main categories of spiritual disciplines. Pastor Ben, enlighten us on those. Yeah, well, there are three main categories. But before we talk about that, let's Ooh. just let's deal with one big elephant in the room, right? Ooh, Spiritual disciplines. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you reckon? I, I, I reckon the master stroke. So, so spiritual That's disciplines funny. are practical expressions of the Christian faith mm. that are holistic. They cover eventually every area of your life. They involve your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. They involve your mind, your will, and your emotions. They involve you. They involve others. They're holistic, right, really. Mm. But I feel like the term spiritual disciplines is such an off-putting term for many, many people. Like, ugh, discipline. Have you, you, know? have you come up <laughs> yeah. with a better phrase? No. no. <laughs> okay. I call them spiritual practices of joy. <laughs> Um, but like, so the elephant in the room is if you're listening to this thinking, Ugh, spiritual disciplines, mm. I don't dig this. You better just take a second look at it because you might dig it by the time you've actually given it some thought. Because for 2000 years, spiritual disciplines have been the way. Mm. It's not the only way, but it is predominantly the way that the historic faith, the historic Christian faith has spoken of as how do we operationalize walking out our faith? That's what they really are. It's not about following rules and regulations, even though there's a term disciplines. You know, um, I am a massive, super massive nerd of Japanese martial arts, right? And so <laughs> discipline in that world is mm. massive, right? And yep. discipline's not like, oh, my dad's getting the wooden spoon and belting me. I'm, I'm being disciplined. Discipline is like, no, I am applying all of my focused attention and strength and capacity and practice to something. And so mm. when we talk about spiritual disciplines, we're talking about how do we practically apply Jesus' idea that we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So there is our strength. So we actually are doing something, you know. Um, do you think it'd be reasonable to say that people have either got them in baby form or definitely of form already in their Christian walk? Maybe they just don't realize that it's mm, part mm, of mm. some of those spiritual reckon, practices. Yeah, and I reckon sometimes people do it, but they don't necessarily know why they do it or what mm. they're doing. Maybe they don't have a good way of articulating it. And some yeah. some sectors of the church are better than others. You know, uh, mm. the, the, the type of church that I've been part of for the last 20 years, right? The We're probably <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> for this century. <laughs> the like that's the end of the church I was reared in probably hasn't been strong in the way it talks about these things. And yet it's very strong in some of those disciplines, but sure. without the vocab and the language. And so I'd say everybody falls into that category. But, you know, knowledge is power. So yeah. knowing yeah. about the spiritual disciplines and then knowing what they are and why they are, what's the basis of these practices and then leveraging that at different seasons of your life, you probably need to, you know, if you see the spiritual disciplines as a bunch of dials on the sound desk of your life, 
you know, sometimes you need mm. to turn something up, sometimes you need to turn something down, yeah. give something extra focused attention in this season. So, yeah, spiritual disciplines. By the time we finish uh, talking about this, maybe people would have a better understanding of it. And especially, we should definitely circle back to why. Mm. Why are spiritual disciplines part of unstuffing yourself? Yeah. Mm. Like last year's piñata. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. There are three. There are like three brackets for spiritual disciplines. There's the inward disciplines, the outward disciplines, and the corporate disciplines. So there's three groups of practices, right? So I'm a person, I'm like, hey, man, how do I obey Jesus' idea for me to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love my neighbor as myself? Well, the inward disciplines are meditation, which is not, you know, it's not just the Buddhists and the martial artists or the, uh, you know, mindfulness is massive in our culture at the moment, especially in, in psychological circles. But, you know, for 2,000 years, Christian people have been meditators. Even long, longer time. than that, right? Well, yeah, because there's only been Christians for 2,000 years. Oh, so but, but, they, <laughs> <laughs> but, but what Jewish they've people, done, yeah. where you were probably oh, that going so with that funny. Pastor Bethany. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she's so we, educated with all of her Bible we, we know what you mean. But why you're saying that longer than that is because the Christian meditators that have been around for 2,000 years have uh, inherited a lengthy and thousands of years old Jewish meditation meditation, yeah. you know, tradition. Yeah. And especially the Psalms. The Psalms are born out of meditation. Prophecy is born out of meditation. You know, the, the books of the prophets in the Old Testament. And in fact, um, the point of embarkation for the people of Israel, getting the law from the Lord on Mount Sinai was meditate on the book of this law day and night, you know? Mm. So there's a strong Christian meditation. It looks a little bit different to some other meditation traditions. It lacks nothing they have, but it does have some really interesting things. So we could talk about that. So there's meditation and then meditation includes a bunch of different things. It's like centering yourself on Christ. It's like, you know, meditating on the word. It's mm. um, focusing on the attributes and names of God, maybe, you know, all these sorts of things. Then there's prayer, obviously. And mm-hmm. when we talk about prayer, prayer is interesting because a lot of people, especially those who think my prayer life just doesn't seem to be life-giving, mm. often those people, for them, prayer is just rattling off your obligatory shopping list to God, you know, setting the clock and just like as quick suffering through. I said I'd pray for 10 minutes, all right, so what am I going to say to God, you know, but that's kind of like a more religiosity way to pray. That's mm. a terrible way to talk. <laughs> it's a more religious way to pray. Um, but the two-way prayer, which is... Focused prayer on God and also mm. listening prayer. You know, there's all sorts of prayer yeah. in spiritual disciplines. So yeah. we can talk about that. Then there's fasting, which is obviously yeah. um, sacrificial periods of time where I go without the basic necessities of life, mm. you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, sacrifice meals or other things, you know. There's all sorts of things we can fast these days because our appetites are captured by all sorts of things, aren't they? So going without any of those things, that's a really yeah incredible mm. thing. Um, and then there's study. So even, you know, it's important, especially for Bible college students, I find, they forget study itself is a spiritual discipline. And so I've never found study something that competes with the fire of God in my life or the movement of the Holy Spirit in my life. I've always found study energizing and all that type mm. of thing. But you've got to approach it as a spiritual discipline, not as a academic exercise, even though there Ritual. is academia involved. you know. But I'm for loving sure. God with all my mind, so of course I'm going to study theology. Of course I'm going to study the Christian worldview. Of course I'm going to know about the life of Jesus and I'm going to know what God is and of course I'm going to dig into the Bible. So those are the inward disciplines, right? They're things I do that I it's within my power to mm. meditate, to pray, to fast and to study. So the outer disciplines, okay, they are um, 
outward lifestyles that bring expression to these inward realities of the gospel, right? And these ones, again, these are incredible. You know, we won't, we're not going to unpack them all right this second, but the, the outward disciplines, simplicity, solitude, mm. submission, and service. Oh, they all sound very difficult, don't yeah. they? Like it's like, man, everything within me as a egocentric Western <laughs> consumer, you know, yeah. living in a secular world, heavily infected by the culture I'm part of, I already start feeling my soul try to wrestle out of the grip of, oh, what, I have to do that stuff? Well, no, you don't have to. They are, you know, it's but how you, you participate it's in the grace of God. It's an expression of who you are. Yeah. 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 We all have a saying in our family about everything Christian, right? No, you don't have to. You get to. Mm. And we've always subbed that out, right? Do I have to go to church today? You don't have to. You do get to. Mm. Do I have to sing at church? You don't have to. You get to. Mm. Do I have to serve Jesus? You don't have to. You get to serve Take Jesus. Take note, folks. Take note. Uh, I'm writing that, that Yeah, down. drop that. <laughs> it's such a mantra in my family that now my children spit it back to me when I say something. Right? <laughs> like the amount of time, especially our youngest, because she's the sassiest, you know, should have beaten them more or something, I guess. But she's just like so <laughs> sassy and um, she loves, loves, you know, telling you how it is you know that's a wonderful thing about having teenage kids really if you yeah. haven't got there yet you guys haven't really got no, there yet. No. but the thing about double digits in teenage years is is their radar their radar is so high for any type of inconsistency and so hey. it keeps you honest right and but more than that it's joyous because it's like man my kids really they're, they're going to be shaped by the dominant culture in our house, you know. Yeah. And so what so happens is... you really is, get to know what's worked and what's yeah. not. <laughs> when they're little, you, when they're little you imprint on them, right? Yeah. But you know what you've imprinted because by the time they're, you know, 13, 14, 16, 18, wait till they're 20, you know. It's the test. What happens it's is the test. they start picking you up on the stuff oh. that you've trained into them. And so here's the thing, right? Oh, okay, we're not going to make this a parenting thing, but <laughs> what's Everyone's interesting? Like, what's the thing? What's the thing? <laughs> well, the thing is, the thing is, like, of all of the people who talk about the hell that their teenagers put them through, it's like, yeah, somebody shaped that personality, guys. You yeah, know? wow. Somebody shaped that personality. But you, you do Jason, see it in someone the play. You. Sorry, well, no, it's not a parenting <laughs> podcast, but you yeah. do see it in their play at their age, like their younger age as mm, well. Mm, like mm. Uh, the boys will use, oh. Batman's not making superhero choices right now. And I was uh, like, oh, yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Because yeah, yeah. we talk about that's the good language choices. You use well, kids. we never mm-hmm. use superhero choices, but like we use good choices. You do now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this week, yeah, that's yeah. a whole podcast episode. <laughs> superhero choices. <laughs> superhero choices. That sounds yeah. like a fun podcast. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but the coming back to the point, I shouldn't have got on the riff of uh, you know, parenting stuff, but I am incredibly passionate about it because of how many, A, teenagers and young adults i've dealt with but b how many families and parents i've dealt with mm. and it is like man well the the culture that dominates your home is the one that shut that shapes personality ultimately right absolutely every family is capable of anomaly three kids were fine and the other one just went total awol for some bizarre reason right every and we're not judging people or being critical mm. or condemning like everyone's capable of anomalies but but by and large the culture you build in the in your house becomes a thing that shapes the personality of everyone in the house. Mm. And so for us, nothing in the Christian life is I have to. There's no obligation. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. Everything is I get to. Man, I get to worship God. You know, I remember Mm. what it was like when I didn't get to worship God. Mm. I remember what it was like when I didn't get to fast, when I didn't get Mm. to serve Jesus, and when I didn't get to experience his grace and his fullness. So, yeah, now I get to do it. And one of the ways I get to do it is the practice of spiritual disciplines. Mm. (laughs) So the outward disciplines, right? The outward expression, simplicity, solitude, submission, and service. Those are incredible, right? Simplicity is simply basically not being a consumer, really. Mm. I was 
always smile over that one. I always like it. Do you? Yeah. You did. You cracked a little grin when we got onto these ones. Yeah. Why? Uh, well, I don't like clutter. <laughs> so if you know me, I just don't like clutter. Yeah. But also when I was living by faith for a period of time, mm, mm. I be- I became heightened to the consumerism in mm, this world. And mm, I remember mm. a couple of times I walked into a shopping centre and I just was like, this is too much. Like, this mm. is not, I can't do this. this. Like, not I can't mm. do this, but this is like, I don't like this. Like just, it was just really quite in your face. Um, yeah. And so I just think in that time, it's like my because of what the journey God was taking me on, it was like that was very heightened. Mm. And I think even as a person, I remember being somewhere and God really clearly speaking to me about through the life of Mother Teresa who lived a very simple life. And I just, even now, can bring back that memory of how God spoke to me. And he kind of did it, sorry, in contrast to someone else that was seeing, you know, great provision and abundance. Mm. But God was like, Bethany... That's I'm not always like that. Like as in mm. who whoever you, you know, just was talking to you about who you what your calling is and where you go, and it's not about mm. you know mm. things and stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just feel mm-hmm. like, and so it just draws me into the presence of God. And I'm always, and I always mm. was drawn to like, you know, books on like the voice of the martyrs and how Jesus is in prison cells with people and has changed lives for centuries, and yet in the most interesting circumstances for some people, and yet. It's sometimes their lives are so simple, like yeah. Richard Warmbrand and some of those heroes of the faith, and yet God was so present at those moments and their mm, life was so mm. simple. And they might not have been practicing <laughs> the spiritual discipline <laughs> of it, but in the midst of simplicity, sim- simplicity. And then even in my life when I've stripped things back, I feel like that's when mm. wow, wow, wow. it becomes centered. Yeah. Mm. I, agree, I agree with that. And I think it's interesting you say that, oh, they may not have been practicing the spiritual discipline of it. But I think what happens is the list of spiritual disciplines, it's not some like legalistic new mm. Ten Commandments that's like, oh, no, I'm not a good Christian if I'm not doing this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But it's more like, no, no, there are things that are really, you know, the Lutheran tradition always calls these things the means of grace, right? There's things that you you do and then it connects you and synchronizes you Mm. with the life and the grace of god right and so simplicity is one because really simplicity is flight from idolatry flight Mm. from consumerism flight from selfishness right so if i'm going to die to self what do i do i simplify my existence instead of get on the treadmill of consumerism Mm. and become you know i mean it's a whole other thing about how modern churches have got hung up on prosperity yeah. which is basically anti-simplicity, you know, yeah. even with our worship styles. It's like, oh, man, I didn't feel the presence of God today. No, God was there. It's just that there was no smoke machine, smoke machine you know, like yeah. because it's like we have anti-simplicity in our culture and our culture's got us by the scruff of the neck mm. sometimes, so simplicity is painful. Mm. You know, I had a, I went to India. I've been to India a lot of times. Uh, the very last time I was there, though, I went with the team I was on. We had some spare time and I went to Mother Teresa's place in Calcutta. And so her bedroom, right? There's a bed table or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just it's so literally a bed and a table. Yeah. And and they not carpet on the floor, concrete floor, very mm. Spartan living, right? And it's still got her notepad and her pencil left in exactly the position it was left the last time. It's just kind of cool, you know. Anyway, but so when cool. you look at I've read a lot of her writing, actually. I don't know if you guys have ever cracked open the old the old MT, Mother Teresa. Um, and I think in in circles like our type of church, maybe she doesn't get a lot of reading because mm. of the Catholicism factor, you know, that we get a bit a bit scared of nuns and what the Catholics get up to and stuff. So we're not too sure whether we should get involved. But I've read a lot of things Mother Teresa wrote and a lot of her statements and journaling and prayers and stuff. And she was incredibly connected to Jesus, you know. Yeah. And so what's fascinating to me is I've I've often read her stuff. So when I went and I had the opportunity to go and visit 
the um, you know the missionaries of charity in Kolkata and see where she lived. You can actually sit in the room where her coffin is. You know, like wow. you know, not. And I don't have any you know heebie-jeebies about the no. fact that she's you know miraculous or anything like she's off enjoying glory hopefully. But yeah, but it's not. I'm not digging like oh you got to go there and you know touch the coffin or anything. But yeah, it's just that that the whole thing she achieved as a powerless old Christian mm. lady but yet influence off the charts, right? Fruit yeah, off so the charts, cool. the amount of lives she changed, the children she rescued. But I remember thinking this thought of like what happens if she lived in a palace on a hill? How could that difference have been made in the same way that it was? Mm. Like I think mm. part of it was because she practised simplicity, yeah. gave her a pathway to the people that yeah. she was called to reach. Yeah. Yeah. But I think if she then used the donation money or somehow gained money and then built a mm. massive mm. house and had mm-hmm. everything you mm-hmm. need, but yet then was going to, you know, minister to the, the poor and the vulnerable, you know, I just feel like there was such a disparity there that I just, you know, and maybe some people have got that life and that's okay because maybe that's what they're called to. So it's not yeah. a comparison, yeah. but I felt like the revelation of like, just her heart to live simply and then mm, to reach mm. those um, yeah, down the road and around the world was just quite profound mm, and mm. how God used that simplicity that I think it just opened pathways yeah. and, you know, that led to further impact where mm, I think if she had the mm. house on the hill, it wouldn't have been quite the same. Yeah. Mm. Not that you yeah, I mean, simplicity is like it's their bold type underscoring in your experience, you know, like you really mm. went. So this is the thing. It's not asceticism as in, oh, it's moral for me to go without stuff, right? Which is like asceticism. I'm going to make myself suffer because there's something innately moral about that. But simplicity is really saying I'm scaling back my dependencies and my appetites and addictions mm. or whatever, you know, consumerism in life to basically the less populous my life is with all of these trimmings, trappings, trimmings and trappings, then the less stuff I have, God becomes the only thing I have. That's mm. like the essence yeah. of simplicity, you know. And so it's like this. There's a very common saying in India. I've done a lot of work in poor slum communities in India, and almost every Christian pastor I've ever met has said this to me, either in exactly these words or they've summarized it. Right? It is that you truly know that God is all you need mm. when He is all you have. You know. Mm. So it's sort of like, well, that's what it is. That's your experience, right? That's why simplicity mm. resonates with you from the times oh, when you're man. living by faith, because yeah. everything else is stripped back. And we'd say the same thing for fasting, really, wouldn't we? Yeah, you know, yeah. or solitude. Like, just it's amazing how we depend on all these other things—the noise of the world, mm. social connections—to pump our tires. But solitude, solitude is greatly challenging. Go away for three days by yourself, and you know, once you get through the withdrawal symptoms of your addictions to noise, culture, podcasts, computer mm. games, whatever, you know, totally. and then you strip everything back, and then you are at the cold face with the untamed God of the universe. Do you know that's interesting too? Because even when, even if it's not so much external noise, but noise in our head, yeah. like I can find that the ability to connect with God or even people sometimes is hard when I'm in like a hyper mm. mental mm-hmm. space of mm-hmm. like, there's so much, I've got to think about so much and I don't know how to get it out of my head or whatever. Mm. Yeah. And it can be just like a massive, you know, disconnect. Yeah. But it is something that then actually when I draw away and I for me it could be journaling or walking mm-hmm. or whatever that mm-hmm. looks like, but to actually take the solitude and then go, hang on, I need to unravel mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. so that I can reconnect. It is quite a powerful mm-hmm. tool, isn't it? Where mm-hmm. if I just keep running the rat race, mm-hmm. that does mm-hmm. not help. No. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because you like Jesus um the the number one precursor to his ministry, right? To his actual public ministry was being baptized by John in the Jordan, then led by the Spirit 
out into the wilderness for forty mm. days of prayer and fasting, right? And Solid. it's like, but but he but like I think it's Luke the way Luke says that he was led out there to be tested by the devil, you know. So mm. it's like, and spiritual disciplines kind of take you into a wilderness experience, you know. And mm. it's like what Israel had when they left Egypt; they had to, you know. God gets them out of Egypt, but then he takes them into the wilderness to get Egypt out of them and yeah. totally reformat their entire lives, right? And, and sadly, they had to go around around the mulberry bush because they didn't learn the right lessons and mm. the next generation actually inherited the land, you know? But Jesus, this is, you know, so Jesus-y, but he, he recreates that symbolic 40-year wilderness sufferings by these 40 days in the wilderness, but he succeeds where Israel fails because his deep meditation on the word of God, he's fasting, we know he's hungry, he's physically weakened. That means he's intellectually, emotionally, cognitively and spiritually weakened as well mm. in some senses. He's more vulnerable. That's mm. why the devil comes to tempt him then, you know, and gives him these things, challenging his identity. You know, he's experiencing everything we experience when we fully try to embrace seasons of these spiritual disciplines. But then Luke says, and then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit. And that marks the very beginning of his public ministry. Mm. You know, he opens up that scroll, preaches from Luke 4, 18 and said, this is it. The time is now, but it's sort of like that, that, you know, and I have to say this, and it sounds like what you're saying, that seasons of uh, focusing on spiritual disciplines, right? That the weakness, the adversity you encounter, but you also encounter the strength of God. Mm, You encounter the victory of God. You grow in God. They become tangible moments. Man, I'm really, I, I am in the power of the spirit here. Really you know? unusually strong in the natural, like, yeah, because yeah. obviously the supernatural strength. But yeah, it's quite profound. And you're not. It's not because like, oh, God's. I've I've done something to please God, so now He's doing something for me. Like it's not transactional. You know, mm. it's almost like no stripping away. You know, basically all the spiritual disciplines are about stripping away the world's idolatries that have our hearts and and mm. minds and souls captured. And then walking in liberty is these spiritual disciplines help me do that. They strip everything away and God's all I have in those times and seasons and moments, you know. Mm. But then, you know, I can't live on that mountain, right? There, there is monastic traditions in the, in the Christian church, but by and large, Jesus didn't teach monasticism, go live up on a mountain and withdraw from the world. He taught, um, you know, go into all the world. And so it's sort of like that's why there are seasons in Jesus' ministry of departure, Mm. You know, and prayer and fasting, etc. But there's always re-engagement. He doesn't live on the mountain; he comes back down and reaches people. It's a good so reflection, yeah. mm. there's sort of that thing, which is interesting because this whole conversation could be Christianity in general, but that has huge application for how I unstuff myself because mm. of the way spiritual disciplines are the power steering of how do I reformat my soul and my psyche that's broken and grow in God and grow in my identity in Christ and inherit all that, that God has for me? Well, you can, you, you know, God will move in your life and heal you over time and you'll grow and grow and grow every year. But st- spiritual disciplines are like the shot of wheatgrass and spirulina, you know? Mm. <laughs> They're like the steroidal, you know, have a quick extra steroid injection. Spiritual disciplines really are like that. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so we touched on the inside ones and then yep. touched the outside ones. I yep. wouldn't mind um, touching on the corporate ones as well because I mm. feel like I could. I'm really drawn into this conversation actually, and I'm quite anyway. It's just quite moving. But then I also don't want to forget those ones because many mm. of us are in yeah, a, a body right. somewhere. That's right. And maybe at some point, if anyone like cares, you do a part on every one of them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, for like sure. in in reality, we could do that, couldn't we? That would take a long time to go, but we could do that. 
Maybe anyone who's listening could communicate to us. Does anyone care about this? Yeah, yeah that's like right. I, answer I pretty much care about it. Yeah, but why I'm passionate about it is because, A, it's proven to be incredibly powerful in my own life. Mm. And anyone who says to me, hey, will you mentor me, right? I always say the same thing to them. Number one, you really need to think about that question. I'm going to give you a chance <laughs> to think about it because do you really want what you think you want when mm. you're asking me to do that, right? And then secondly, I do have a pro forma mentoring process for people, right, who officially ask me to mentor them. Yeah. And then that includes, uh, you know, a group of things. But one of those things is some radical practices of spiritual disciplines. Because, like, well, you can't grow if you don't do that. You know, I can't, mm. I can't mentor you without you doing those spiritual disciplines because I can't give you anything, right? Only God can give you what you most need. Yeah. And all mm. I can do is take you by the hand and walk with you to help you go where you got to go. But in reality, the spiritual disciplines are far more important than a one-hour session with me. You yeah, know? <laughs> so true. Though. So anyway, okay, well then, speaking of, the third component is um, these are called corporate disciplines. So the funny thing about the first two groups, right, is arguably you can do them with others. Clearly, they're very yeah. fruitful, but really you can also Have do them to. solo. Sure. They're solitary mm. practices sometimes. So there's this third grouping and these are the church's historic ones and in reality you can think up new and creative disciplines yourself if you want and how they work too but this is the most baseline historic bracketing the inward disciplines the outward disciplines and the third group are the corporate disciplines and these are these are quite amazing actually confession Mm. worship as in corporate mm. worship, right? Yep. You know, we, it's it's a shame that these are actually forgotten in the current age. You know, like the individualism in our culture, where someone may um, not see the value in corporate worship, but they are avid worshippers solo in their own mm. room. You know, they mm. chuck on their their um, podcast or their you know their their album and worship God, but then they'll turn up to a public worship like nothing. There's like it's no big deal if they turn up. Or even if they just turn up and they just stare like a cow looking at a new gate or something, you know. Yeah. Mm. But actually, corporate worship is a historic Christian discipline. We do mm. it and we do it for all sorts of reasons, you know. But one of those crucial reasons is that uh, corporate worship has always been seen by the church as an act of mission. The world has to see there are a bunch of people whose allegiance is given to Jesus mm. and they have to be moved. Hang on. What are these people doing? They're praying, they're singing, they're raising their hands, they're clapping their hands. What are they doing? You know, because witness, part of our witness is wrapped up in our worship. You know, mm. it's not a choice between mission or worship. It is that worship is witness historically for the church. So corporate worship, confession, worship. Uh, then there's guidance, and guidance really is I have the humility to be accountable and led and guided by others. We're not talking cultish that you don't have autonomy or get to make choices, but actually embracing the fact that, you know, on your own, you're not enough to tackle life's biggest issues. Mm. So you need guidance, you need leadership, you need shepherding, and you need someone to, you know, pray with you, pray for you. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Uh, And then the last one, this is a fascinating one. Think about this, celebration. That historically for the yeah, church, come on. celebration yeah, we love a good party. is a Christian witness. You know, that <laughs> yeah, that's, it is. That it's a corporate discipline. We celebrate so. things together. That's why in the, you know, mm. the liturgical calendar there's feasts and feast days and mm. all this stuff, which they literally in the first century were started off as a feast, right? Mm. Church wasn't like come and get your little bit of juice in a little tiny disposable cup and a little bit of bread. They had <laughs> all day agape feasts, all day love feasts where – Everybody would bring something to the table and if the poor couldn't bring anything, they could come and not bring anything and the rich who could bring stuff, they brought everything and then everybody would have the food dispersed, you know, and they would feast all day. That was part of the church service, you know, Mm. Um, and celebration in general though, you know, and it it looks a whole bunch of different ways. So confession, worship, guidance and celebration, those are the corporate disciplines. So the inward, 
outward and corporate disciplines. So that's the the first of all the list of the primary spiritual disciplines. Right now, let's just um, talk about this for a second because we're talking about in the context of how do I unstuff myself, right? And the point of talking about Christian disciplines is because these things restructure your cognitive world. Mm. They restructure your psyche. They restructure your soul. They they take the position in Christ that you have and they cause that position to be something that leaks and bleeds and leaches into every other area of yeah. your life. And every other area of your life is called experience, right? So there's mm. position on the one hand. I, when I give my life to Jesus, say it's the gospel, I am incorporated into Christ. So Paul, the Apostle Paul's most famous Bible way of talking about what is a Christian, he just says this phrase, in Christ, in Christ, <laughs> in Christ, right? And he says it in the book of Ephesians an astounding number of times. I can't remember mm. off the top of my head what that is, but it's a lot. And in all of his writings, he says it about 37 times, right? That's his way of describing a Christian is someone who is in Christ. You are... As soon as you're believed, you are joined to him, synced with him, you know, yeah. your life is now in Jesus. And so that's your position. But position and experience do not always match up. And as a pastor, that's probably been one of my most common pastoral counseling things, right? I'm supposed to be holy, but I'm not supposed to be righteous, <laughs> but I'm supposed to have the joy of the Lord as my strength, but I'm miserable and weak, you know, like, okay, fair enough. But spiritual disciplines are the doorway between how does experience and position match up in a lot of ways. It is how do I holistically take the influence of Christ, which I have positionally, but bring it into reality across every area of my life, which mm. really is my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength, you know, and which is a, you know, when Jesus said that, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. First of all, he's giving you something active to do, not just like the state of being, oh, feel loving feelings about God. Yeah. Maybe you don't even feel loving feelings about mm. God. A lot of people don't, you know. Um it's not that. It is like actively pursue God, hunger, thirst, mm. and yearn after him. That's what loving God is. It's an active process with my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. And that's like hyperbolic way of describing the totality of a human being. right? Mm. So so really heart, heart, soul, mind, and strength is a way of saying everything about you, right? Because heart, heart is your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? Your mind is the thoughts you think and the focus you give. Your will is the choices that you make and the exercise of your volition and your emotion, mind, will, and emotions. Your emotions are like the feelings you feel, which are either cultivating or tolerating. That's the sum total of the person, right? And then strength is just like, yeah, you're putting effort into it. So it's heart, it's soul, it's mind, it's strength. It's everything with your mind, will, and emotions and what you do in your body and your physicality. So spiritual mm. disciplines are the way of making that practical across the church that Christians for thousands of years, especially carrying on Old Testament traditions long before Christians, have learnt if we do these things, we find that the lordship and the love of Jesus transcends and transforms everything going on in our mind and our will and our emotions. And mm. it's crucial to me for growing Christians, right? You know, some people are saying, oh, I'm, I'm, I've been a Christian for 20 years. No, you, you've got like one year's Christian maturity repeated 20 times. That's what it is like. <laughs> but if I'm going to grow, these spiritual disciplines are crucial and they're very, very challenging. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think it's a good thought too, particularly with the corporate ones, that we can so easily become critics, um, mm. whether that's us in the room, but more so just anybody. Mm. Like I feel like yeah. we come across a lot of conversations that can be like, okay, I think that's your perspective and your mindset that's actually getting that result, not actually what's mm. happening. Mm. Um, but it does – 
um, just kind of remind me that anyone listening that we can actually go into these and go, yeah, I'm not just going to church. I'm going to practice the spiritual discipline of worship. I'm going to practice the spiritual discipline of guidance today. Mm -hmm. Like God, Mm -hmm. how are you going to speak to me? How am I investing into the one anotherness? Or even if there is a celebration in our corporate expression somewhere, like we just had a celebration for all of our volunteers, Mm -hmm. but that Mm -hmm. is a a spiritual discipline of, Hey, we want to honor and celebrate everything that Mm -hmm. God has done Mm -hmm. and we've Mm -hmm. done together. So I feel like there's a, a, a mindset and a, perspective that we could freshen up sometimes in our own heart absolutely to go yeah this is this is a practice that i want to engage in it's not mm, just something mm, that we mm. do for the sake of it yeah, or entertain yeah. you know yeah. um yeah. and i think it'll cause our hearts to be more honoring and and have a heart of gratitude than to be mm. the cynic and the mm. critic that we can sometimes encounter yeah yeah mm. total difference coming as a consumer versus coming as someone practicing a spiritual discipline mm. i yeah. actually found myself um experiencing that recently because, wow. as you know, because we joked about it at the time, we had a function, and I found myself on the vacuum cleaner at the end of it. You, you know, at, at one yeah. of those things, right? And it's not a it's not a small job vacuuming <laughs> not outside, actually, it's right? Yeah. Especially after after <laughs> that that um, you know carol celebration yeah. we had on site, right? But I remember at the time doing it and thinking, yeah, and I was reminding myself while I did it, you know, Ben, service is a Christian discipline. Mm-hmm. Mm. So what you're doing right now is you're not vacuuming the floor at all. What you're doing is you're growing into the image of Jesus. Yeah, and I was wow. having this conversation with myself, you know, this is good for you, mate. This is actually brilliant for you. This should be as enjoyable for you as worshipping Jesus to your favourite worship medley. You know, and mm. I was sort of just meditating in that mm. as I was doing it and it was like, yeah, this is actually me showing devotion to Jesus. It's got nothing to do with our church or our volunteers or Powerful our staff or anything else. This mm. is devotion to Christ. That's what makes this happen. You know, anyway, mm. but it turned that thing from being an arduous, you know, hot, sweaty task to, ah, I'm actually pretty happy, mm. you know. Yeah. yeah. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. It's and that's Mother Teresa's yeah. thing, right? Mm. Mother Teresa never did anything she didn't want to do. She wanted everything she did. You know, she wanted that simplicity because she found delight in God, Christian mm. hedonism, you know, yeah. So wow. encouraging. This wow. is Hey, we've got so to wrap much. this episode up, but we really one thing we should land on, okay? Mm. If you want to talk more about spiritual disciplines, or hey, first of all, if you want us to talk more about spiritual disciplines, drop <laughs> contact to the podcast. And how do we contact yeah. the podcast? Uh, so you can leave a comment down below. Okay. Or there will be a poll that I'll create for this one, oh. which is, would you like more about spiritual disciplines? And if you say, no, we won't talk good. about it, we'll give the people what they want, man. <laughs> um, we'll be back to smoke machines and fairy floss next week. No, so if you want to talk more about spiritual disciplines, right, we we would. We'd unpack them. 100%. We'd fly over them more. You know, we haven't done any of them justice because we're trying to fly over. Yeah. Uh, so that's one thing. If you want to talk more, tell us. And we would. You know, we we, we would. Uh, <laughs> secondly. We want to know what you want to say. Want secondly, to what you have to do is, in the words of the great Molly Meldrum, do yourself a favour. I remember every time someone <laughs> dropped an LP record in the 80s, he would say that. You guys are too young. You weren't around yeah, then, I was like, but I, I was don't know about yeah. this, Ben. Do Jay, yourself you a favour. Do yourself a favour. Get down to Parlings and buy the new U2 LP. Okay, so I'm going to tell you, <laughs> do yourself a favour and pick up the book called Celebration of Discipline. Mm. It is by Richard Foster. Richard Foster, Celebration of Discipline. And it unpacks actually... All of the spiritual disciplines in the probably not dissimilar order to the one I've just given you in the breakdown. Uh, And he does a brilliant job in just very readable, easy language, breaking them down for you. Mm. What they do, what they're for, how you do it. Gives you some examples and there's plenty of practical exercises. And I'll give you a little preview. Um, He's got a chapter on meditation or a segment on meditation, right? And I've never had someone listen to this. I've used that 
chat that exercise from that chapter mm. numerous settings especially dealing with people who are having major anxiety overwhelm right anxiety mm-hmm. hijacks and i've walked them through that exercise numerous times even i've done zoom sessions with people where they've done it and we've walked through that meditation exercise and not a single person has ever failed to say that really deeply impacted me wow wow and i did it with a group during covid we were running zoom zoom you know like everyone was running zoom stuff and one of the things i did is i did a battling with anxiety zoom zoom seminar Mm. and we talked some theory we talked some skills and you know theology psychology all sorts of things right but we finished with that meditation exercise from that book and everyone in the group said i sure wish i knew that 10 years ago or whatever one lady said oh why didn't anyone explain this to me 20 years ago Wow. So, yeah, because again, it comes to how we started. Because as soon as people hear spiritual disciplines, you know, it's sort of like yeah. it doesn't sound cool. It's not like, you know, um, it's not whiz bang sexy fun, you know, but mm. totally. deeply powerful and impacting. Whenever That's anyone awesome. has a crisis of faith, like, oh, I just don't know if I believe in God anymore. All right. Give yourself a month of deep practice of spiritual disciplines. Mm. Because actually, it doesn't matter what you think about God. God is a person to relate to, not a doctrine to believe in. So go mm-hmm. and relate well to God and build a relationship. You can only question Jesus if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you can question every doctrine under the sun. Yeah, but at the end right. of the day, you will not be snipped from the moorings of the one that you are connected to, the anchor to your soul. You know. 100%. So spiritual disciplines are just like everything, everything. Yeah. You know, I don't, mm. I don't articulate it enough when I preach, but I try to do it without mentioning the word it is, sure. but then it, the problem with that is it's probably not always clear to people how that can be operationalized in your life mm. and if you study cognitive behavioral therapy and then you overlay christian disciplines you realize mate we've got we got the secret source before you know psychologists mm. ever invented the phrase cognitive behavioral therapy <laughs> which is one of my favorites <laughs> it's very efficacious jason <laughs> That is awesome. So uh, again, Celebration of Discipline mm-hmm. by Richard Foster. Yeah, yeah. And also, you can jump on the poll or leave a comment uh, about uh, anything in this episode that you'd like to get to know, uh, learn a bit more about, including the inner, the outer, or the corporate ones. And so mm-hmm. maybe you're leaning mm-hmm. towards one of those. We'd love to know. But thanks so much for stopping by to stay connected with us. It's Encounter Church TV on YouTube or Encounter Church AU on Instagram. <laughs> We're all about leading lives that leave love in our wake. And so until next time, maybe you can find ways to do just that. Bye from us. Bye. Arigato. <laughs> <laughs>